Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Access Podcast. It's Jake and Nick here with you today. We're uh, doing our second quarantine conversation, and we hope that it blesses you, gives you some some positive content to listen into during this time of lock-in. And so, like I said, we have Nick here with us. Nick, how are you doing today? Hey, doing good. Doing good. Enjoying the, the sunshine that we have out today. It's a nice day. The sunshine and the snow. That's right. <laughs> It's Michigan, pure Michigan for you. Pure Michigan. Thanks a lot, Tim Allen. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, those pure Michigan, those pure Michigan uh, commercials make me teary eyed. Like every time I hear them, you know, you're, you're listening to them on the radio, Mm -hmm. you look out and you just start crying. You know, you're like, I love Michigan. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. We were walking through, there's a, a nature reserve over here, right? And trying to get out and get a little bit of exercise during this whole quarantine thing. So it's called the the Paris Nature Reserve over here in Kentwood. And we were just walking in there, just looking around going, this is in the middle of Kentwood. How in the world? That's Michigan. There's all sorts of little oases out there. Yeah. We, uh, we've been getting out quite often too and just going outside and it makes a difference. It really does. Yesterday, I didn't really get out at all. And at the end of the night, I was just so tired. And I was asking myself, why am I so tired? And I was just thinking through my day and realized I didn't get outside at all. And I think that really made a, a, a difference in my energy levels towards the end of the night. Yeah. Exercise is a real thing that we still need very much so. And most of my day is kind of sitting at the, the kitchen table working now. So it's it has to be an intentional thing for me to get up and walk around. Got to keep moving, especially in this time. Which, by the way, Remmer's up and walking. Last episode that we did, I was thinking about this the other day. The last episode that we did, he had only gotten like 15 steps in. But now he's up and moving around, isn't he? Oh, that, yeah, he's like, he's like fully walking where he'll walk throughout the whole house it's to the point where <laughs> at the end of the night where you know instead of carrying him to give him a bath you just say okay Rem let's go take a bath and then he just follows you into the bathroom which is just crazy how much two weeks the difference that two weeks can make in the development of a, of a child isn't that insane it's insane <laughs> I was laughing about that the other day Emily and I were, were actually driving over to that nature reserve and we started talking about that like can you believe it was literally the last episode we did he wasn't even walking yet and now he's cruising around <laughs> booking it on through the house yeah keeps keeps us on our toes he loves to get into things that he's not supposed to it's like Literally, there will be a hundred toys in the living room, and there's one thing that he shouldn't touch, and that's the thing that he wants to touch. <laughs> that's human nature, right? Yeah, that's that's just human nature on display in such a, a pure way. Yeah. Hey, we're going to get into this thing. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Christ, kind of playing mm-hmm. off of the Easter season that we are just in, although Easter season never ends. Um and so tonight, or today, the, the, the title of our podcast is Easter's Impact, uh, a biblical view of how to apply the resurrection of Christ to our lives. And so uh, Nick and I just have, have developed some, some thoughts about uh, the impact that Easter should have on our daily walk. And we're just going to bring those, those points up and then and work through some different passages of Scripture and hopefully uh, land somewhere in the near future here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah, these are this isn't an exhaustive list by any means. We should probably say that at the the forefront. These are just some maybe next steps for for individuals to think of if they have either heard the Easter message for the first time or you know have just you know like you said revisited the Easter message because of Easter season. So you want to kick us off with your first thought? Yeah, let's get into it. So when I when I think about Easter, um, you know. There's so many people that come out of the woodwork once it's Resurrection Sunday, you know, uh, different celebrities and different people who love to celebrate Easter on the one day a year. Mm-hmm. And there's the joke of the Christers who go to church on Christmas and Easter. And really, the first point kind of touches on that cultural phenomenon that we see specifically in America and maybe even in Western cultures, but is that so many people think of Christianity or their faith having to do with an afterlife. And although that is a huge part of 
our faith. It's a it's a key component to uh, theology and to our uh, hope that we have for eternity. But ultimately, my first point that I want to bring up and talk through is that Christianity is about a new life, not just a new destination. Hmm. So give me your thoughts on that on that statement. A new life, not just a new destination. So you're you're hinting at or pointing at the idea that it's not all about going to heaven, even though that's a, a beautiful reality. Uh, but it's about what's happening in us now, right? Christ died for who we are, not just for where we're going. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, I remember being a little kid and being in church and, you know, they give you the gospel presentation and in which is powerful, right? Is that God, mm-hmm. you know, Christ came to save sinners. It's the truest, you know, it's a key component to the gospel. Like, right? Like he died he went on the cross to save sinners from hell and from their eternal damnation. And as a little kid, you hear that and you're like, I don't want to go to hell. Are you kidding me? Like, I hate, I hate time out. I can't imagine going to hell. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you just, it's almost like a, a fear-based message. And, uh, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, if you can't love someone into the kingdom, you might as well try to scare them into the kingdom. But I don't think that's necessarily what Christ um, fully, that his message was both, it was both the reality of eternity, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it was the the reality of a new life is the way into eternal, you know, connection with God. And so, you know, it's not just about escaping from hell, but it's about taking on a new life. It's about having a changed heart. It's about having to clear conscience. It's about a absolutely new way of thinking, living, and relating to God and the world around us. Yeah. And I think we get stripped of so much just by reducing Christianity to heaven and hell. It, mm-hmm. it, literally, like the Bible, like there are good portions that, that talk about uh, hell and heaven, but so much of the Bible is not even concerning those. It's concerning this life now. Yeah. When we make the message all about heaven, then what happens or what could happen, and, and I've seen this type of, of lifestyle, I don't necessarily know that people would, would vocalize this, but this is how it tends to live itself out in someone's life, is when all the picture directs towards a paradise that I'm going to go to in the future, uh, it can paint the picture that, well, I'll... I'll take that paradise, whether with or without God, you know, any way I can get to that paradise. If that's the goal, that's how I'm going to get to. And then you have universalism that comes out and you have all these different aspects in. And the thing is, like, heaven would not be heaven if it wasn't for God and his presence and just the omnipresence of, of who he is in that place. And if that's the case, then as we experience him more fully here and now, we're actually stepping into a portion of that reality today. So then what does it look like for our lives today, right? Exactly. It's, it's you know, we'll never, like, you know, we'll, we'll never fully reach our glorified state while we're in our earthly bodies. But it's a matter of, uh, it's a matter of being transformed day by day. It's about a matter of, changing into the image of Christ. It's a matter of growing in uh, sanctification. It's about putting off the old man, putting on the new man. Kind of one of the verses that I wanted to share is, is Colossians 3.10. And it says, and uh, I'll start in verse 9, sorry. It says, do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And so you get this truth that that we're to be put on this new person. So we're not to put on the new destination. We're put on actually a new person. And it's this exchange of putting off our old nature, which, you know, it talks about, um, talks about anger, rage, talks about slander, abusive speech, it talks about lying to each other. It's putting all that off, and it's about putting on this new person who is is conformed to the image of its creator. Mm-hmm. And we see that Christ, yes, he came to save sinners, but he dealt with a sin 
so that he could actually transform us into um, a new, if I can say a new humanity or a new type of person Mm -hmm. who doesn't live according to horizontal relationships, but lives in a true connection to the creator of the universe, which changes us from the inside out now, you know, day by day, instead of just waiting for heaven. Yeah. It's, it's going back to something that we've talked about at access so many times in the past of Genesis 127, God created man in his own image in likeness and, and then gives him a vocation to go out, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth. That was the picture of, of what healthy mankind is supposed to look like. That's actually also the picture that Christ repaints for us in his active living as a man on earth filled with the breath of God. And in Christ's work, his redemptive work on the cross is actually restoring us. You know, we could we, we could say both truths are realities. It's a new creation, but then it's also a restored creation. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, he's bringing us back to that original purpose and, and destiny for our life. But that that's not just a, you know, a snap of the finger kind of thing. There's a formational work there, right? This is the language that we've been using recently is, is just that formation work, right? You were just saying it, the, the reformation of a life, it's reforming the life, the conformation to the, the picture of Christ. There's just so much that happens within the new life, which is discipleship. You know, that's why we at Res, our, our heartbeat is win souls, make disciples, because the two go hand in hand. And when we paint a picture of it's all about going to heaven, well, then the discipleship and the formation is lost in that picture or can be lost in that picture so often. So I, I love this type of conversation because it's going, you know, the destination is a is a real thing, but, but there's also a transformation that happens along the way, which is maybe even more important yeah i'm just even reading in in three uh, colossians three and it says um so as those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved put on so it talks about put on put off the old self anger rage put on heart of compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, Paul here is painting this picture of a new type of, if I can say person, that is contrary to every feeling that we have in the flesh, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some people can be kind and compassionate without Christ. You know, humanity has, um, has the ability to be, uh, on the surface, a good person in a sense, not deep down, no one's good, but people can be kind without Christ, but it's this type of a continual nature of being, it's really from the inside out. And we'll talk about how, um, we'll talk about later about how this can't just be a, a self effort, but it has to be a work of God. But it here's painting the picture of this new life that God is intending for us to live. Mm-hmm. And I think here, man, I think this is just where, you know, we have this balance that we have to, this, this tightrope that we have to walk on, which is, right, the process. And we talk a lot about the process that you don't have to expect yourself to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But then we have this other end, this tightrope of, well, you have to grow, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And the, sometimes the process can cut your feet, your knees out from underneath you or your legs out because it allows you to stay in the, in the broken state that you're in. Mm-hmm. Because you can just chalk it off to say, well, I'm just in a process. Right. And I think we have to be real with ourselves and say, no, a, a, a healthy plant bears fruit. A healthy plant grows. A healthy plant bears and, and produces more seed, right? A, a healthy plant will continue to grow even though there might be pruning in the process. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we can talk about that right now. If you have any thoughts about this tightrope of the process versus growth and, and really a responsibility to grow as an individual. Yeah, and, and what I hear you saying a second ago is sometimes the process or the idea of process can become a crutch for complacency. Yeah. 
I, I, I don't need to change right now because it's a, it's a process and my process is going to be long or, or anything like that. And you don't know what I've been through. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And we start to justify, oh, well, I'm just in the process and we start to, to build walls around the things that, that we should actually be crucifying. Yeah. You know, we're, we're called to crucify the flesh. Paul puts it in this language, mortify the flesh, right? Put it off. Uh, and, and Paul talks on, on three different levels of, of, the differing kind of individuals. There's the worldly minded who can't understand the things of the spirit because they, they don't have the spirit in them. Mm -hmm. And then there's the carnal minded and the carnal minded isn't necessarily a worldly person. It's actually a believer who's chosen to not actually grow in their process. And they've actually stunted their growth because they won't be obedient because they won't uh, move from you know, the milk and food of infants to more solid milk hmm. or more solid food. And no, then let me pause you there. Yeah. Let me pause you there. What do you think milk is in 2020? <laughs> what do I think? I'm sorry. I know it's a weird, I know it's a weird <laughs> question to ask, but scripturally it says move from milk to meat, mm -hmm. like to maybe a young person, right? Uh, uh, Gen Z or millennial. What do you, not that you can give a definitive answer, but as you've seen the culture of Christianity and, and preaching and teaching, and, and what do you see as a, as a, a natural progression from maybe immaturity to maturity? Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm yeah. asking? Yeah. Sorry to cut you off there. I just think there's no, a... No, it, it's a good question. I don't necessarily know that I have a, a perfect answer on it, but... I know we don't want to say something that we're going to regret saying later. <laughs> you know, I think I think the aspect of which we never move away from these truths, but they, these are truths that need to eventually become a foundation that we build upon. There's the aspect of, well, I'm just, you know, I'm forgiven. You know, I have the the forgiveness of Christ and and, you know, nothing that I could do can really be held against me. And, and that's kind of a, a milk that can hold us up to where, again, it kind of puts us back into a complacency mm. of who I am. Well, it doesn't matter what I'm doing right now because I know I'm on my way to heaven. I'm forgiven. And and you just mind your own business. You don't judge me. You don't do, you know, and all of a sudden it's it's just this place of complacency once again that mm. we we can find ourselves in of going well you know and, and going well it's not by works it's all by faith and and we start to twist things in scripture and we start to miss out the fact that these things are always a forward motion thing right mm. faith isn't a stagnant thing faith is a, 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 a belief structure it's a you know attitude it's a posture of the heart that drives us forward into action and to say that we have faith without moving forward into action might actually mean that we are, you know, that carnal-minded, that that stunted Christian that that Paul's talking about. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's a, it's a, it's a not moving into more complex or more real forms of trust in God. We almost stay at the level that we are introduced to Christianity, which is. God loves me unconditionally. Mm -hmm. You know, he forgives me. He'll always forgive me. He's wiped away my sin, which is a very powerful message. We, can never, we can never graduate from that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can build upon that in, in deeper ways, scripturally and in our understanding of, of God and his kingdom and our role um, in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And I think just something like, you know, when it comes to, Christianity in 2020 in America and in the Western world, I, you know, I've, I've just realized my personal maturity in the Lord and, and my personal growth. And something that I've noticed is I've just personally, I think one of my stages of moving from, you could say maybe immaturity or, or from the milk, the simple things has been a, a change of desire from who's the most engaging, entertaining communicator mm. to, okay, who's the most scripturally um, rooted and the most um, convicting communicator that I can listen to. Like when my, like I love listening to Francis Chan, like, mm -hmm. right? Like you listen to Francis Chan and you're like, oh my gosh, like 
someone as of, as of late that I've listened to occasionally who I would never listen to four years ago is John Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some other guys who, who I listen to who um, are just prior out of set, wow, they're a boring communicator, you know? And I've moved to a place of, well, boring is good because it means they're being, you know, they're, they're really caring about what they're saying. They're not trying to just wrap it up in a, in a fluffy wrapping, you know, <laughs> a hype message. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's being true to the scriptures and being true to helping people actually grasp the importance of the topic that they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And there's a, there's a place for entertaining messages, right? There's a place for dynamic communicators. Mm-hmm. I just noticed for me, my personal journey was moving away more from the entertaining type of message to more of a, uh, if I can say, I'll just describe it as boring, convicting, yeah, challenging messages. Yeah. Something that, that isn't going to allow you to, to stay in the same place, right? We should, we should, you know, this is part of maturity. We should want to grow. We should want to mature within this process. Because the more mature or the more character that we have formed in us of Christ, the more effective, the more influential we can be for the kingdom, you know? Yeah. I I think one of the things that you're touching on a a second ago, and we don't need to go off into this rabbit trail um, too far, but I've just, I've been thinking so much lately about uh, if I could kind of call it the cult of popularity (laughs) Uh, and, and, I think in 2020, when we talk about, okay, what's, what's, you know, stagnant, what's, you know, milk within 2020, there's the cult in the misunderstanding of popularity to where we tend to think the popular things are the effective things. And that's not necessarily the case. Wow. There's, there's effectiveness in so much of, there's a guy, uh, I just, I just looked up some videos from the other day. He doesn't have too many videos out there and and his name is Herb Hodges. And Herb Hodges. Herb. Yeah. Herb. Old, old Herb. I have a neighbor named Herm. Herm. Nice. I love those old school names. We need to start yeah. reintroducing those into this generation. My other my other neighbor is Irma. Irma? And Irma. Herm. These are fantastic names. But Herb Hodges, like his his videos are literally like him sitting down probably in front of a flip phone. I don't know. They aren't <laughs> they aren't well produced by any means. Yeah. He's not properly mic'd up. The audio is but the content there on on discipleship is so, so just cutting to the quick. And he's not a popular in, in speaker. He's an, just an older gentleman that wrote a book called Tally Ho the Fox that the book itself is not a popular book. The book doesn't look cool. Um, but at the same time, the information is effective. And, and as a generation, I hope that we move from the aspect of popularity to the aspect of effectiveness, hmm. um, both in, in feeding Right when I'm feeding from things, am I just waiting for people to spoon feed me, or am I effectively growing into a place where I'm searching out things that are going to challenge me, grow me, and pull me forward into a, the forward motion? And then two, am I looking for what's going to happen in my life to where I'm not personally chasing after popularity, because that might actually stunt my growth, but mm. I'm actually moving into a place where I could be effective in the calling that God has on my life. You know the connection I make is so many. I w- I fell into this. You know what I mean? As a, as a as a young leader in the church, you know, like there's this temptation to like to think that being popular, being influential, right? Getting whether it's social media clicks or views or you know, mm-hmm. you name it. Like there's this feeling of as long as you're being, as long as you're popular, you're doing the right things. Right. Like as, as long as people are excited about what you're leading and or a part of, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. And I think it's really, if I can apply it to Colossians 3, that's like the, the negative side. It's like put off that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it talks about anger, rage, jealousy. It's like put off the desire to be popular. Mm-hmm. Put off the desire to be part of a movement. Yeah. It's like put off those things and let's put on compassion, humility. Let's put on... Right, these characteristics and pieces of character that Christ's models for us. Right, um, and let's be transformed over a long period of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, let's grow instead of 
being sucked into the vortex of popularity and of movements, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Right there in in Colossians 3, 5, which, I mean, let me just pause here real quick and say, for most of what we're talking about today, Colossians 3 is is a beautiful chapter. I think we're going to probably refer back to it quite a few times throughout this conversation, but Colossians 3, 5, Paul's saying, and and you were talking about this a second ago, but put to death, therefore, whatever is in you uh, that is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. And then mine, it puts in parentheses, which is idolatry. And and the idolatry isn't just the greed. The idolatry is everything that he just labeled there. Everything earthly is idolatry. And and maybe if we don't call it the the cult of popularity, maybe we call it the idol of popularity. And maybe that puts it into a much more uh, apparent (laughs) understanding for us to realize how important it is that we crucify that thing in our life. And that's why it's so important for us to be responsible, you know, to ourselves because you know it's not wrong to be popular you know it's not evil in of itself like some people like are popular Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and sometimes we can say well if they're popular that means that they're in sin or they're prideful and that's not the case you know they might they might have already dealt with if i can say dealt with their demons you know they might have already worked through that it's not a matter of being popular is being bad it's a matter of desiring our own selves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the matter of jealousy or or a matter of, of, of feeling inadequate or feeling lack because we don't have a certain platform that maybe someone else that's the same age or maybe even younger than us has. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but put it off. It's like, put it off, man, put it off. You don't want that. That's, that's evil. That's the quickest way to to really fall into a dark place Mm -hmm. striving after that. Right. Which I I think, you know, kind of you giving some clarity there of, we're not saying that this is a bad thing. We're saying the desire of that is, is something that should be moved away from kind of moves us into the next point. So, so your first point was we have a new life, not a new destination. Uh, To move into my point here is we must shift our eyes to shift our hearts. Uh, and, and I'm going to break this down here in a second, but I'll say this first before I go into the scripture that we're going to go into. Our hearts will move towards our most dominant thoughts, and then our thoughts will follow our eyes. Hmm. So if we want to shift our hearts, we must shift our eyes. In Colossians 3, once again, we're going to start right here in, in 3, 1, and 2. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. So here we are, we're talking about what does it look like after the the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Here we are, raised with Christ. Paul goes, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he continues on to say, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And I think this is going to also kind of give a little bit more clarity to what we were just talking about. Paul has... We see this time and time and time again in his letters to where he'll he'll introduce a thought and then he'll start unpacking that thought immediately afterwards. So this isn't when we go from one to two here in Colossians three, it's not building up. It's actually laying the foundation and then building backwards from it. He's kind of going, okay, here's the goal that we would set our hearts, that we would set our desires, that we would position our our core desires on the things above where Christ is. And then he starts unpacking that. So then in order to do that, we must set our minds on things above, not on the earthly things. So what we were just talking about of the idolatry that we're putting to death, the different things of the worldly nature that we're putting to death. We must shift from these things over to the things that are above, the kingdom realities, the the true things, the, you know, Philippians 4, 8, whatever is pure, whatever is, you know, good, whatever is true. Set our minds on these things. Think about these things. So before I go any further, what are you thinking on this? I think this is one of the key components to a transformed life. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, we, we can't, on, we cannot overestimate the power that our thoughts and our mind has on our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus talks about it all the time. He, you know, he goes, you know, in, in Matthew, in Matthew, he's talking and he's saying, you know, if you have lust in your heart, mm-hmm. right, you're an adulterer. 
he's saying if you if you if you say rocker, if you hate someone, it's the same as if you murder. Right. So it's not about an action that that brings about death in our lives, but it's about our heart motives, our heart desires, and our thoughts that consume us is what that is killing us. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily just outward sin, but it's inward idolatry and desire, even if nobody else knows about it. Right. And so I think this is a huge component bringing back to what Christ came to do on Easter. He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people come alive, people right. who would never be able to be transformed from the inside out. His resurrection power by His Spirit is what allows us even to even potentially grow in our sanctification. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the key components to growing is renewing, transforming, changing the way that we think mm-hmm. about God, the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about others, and the way we think about sin, and the way we think about our impact in the in the world, and and really our purpose while we're here. So it just changes mm-hmm. everything the way we think. And so those are just my initial thoughts when I when I hear shift our eyes to shift our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said something very important a second ago. You know, it's not the the things that we typically label as sin, pornography, drinking, uh, you know, cursing, whatever you want to put into that, you know, country music. I don't know. You put anything in there. The <laughs> things that we, we typically label as sin. Um, that last one might be on my list. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but the those things are, are actually fruit at the end of a branch of of a deeper root issue and and the deeper root issue is idolatry and when when you say Jesus didn't come to to make bad doers good doers you know he came to to make dead people alive and another way to say that is he came to set the captives free this is this is the language that Christ would use i, I came to set the la- captives free and then John 10:10 10, 10, i came to give life and life to the fullest and, and what were the captives captive to? They were captive to the idols that they had given them li- their lives to. Right? When, when Israel handed themselves over to their idols, they were in captivity to their idols. These different aspects to where when we realize that at the core of each and every one of us is our heart, right? Our soul, our spirit. Mm-hmm. It, it work together in scripture calls that our heart. And our heart is moved by desire. And when we when we talk about you know your point of Jesus came to to give us a new life, what he's also saying there is he's, he came to give us new desires, release us from desiring to to pursue the idols of our life and and release us from that into pursuing God for our life. And in pursuing God, then we come alive because we are we're chasing after the very thing that gives us life, the very person that, that carries in him the sustenance to, to maintain us. Is this making sense? Totally. So it, it's an important thing for us to realize that much of Christ's work on the cross was to enable us to crucify the idols in our life. And, and it's not necessarily fully us crucifying the idols. This is all in partnership with the Holy Spirit and in partnership with Christ and his work on the cross. But at the same time, we must put those things aside. And a big way of doing that is shifting our eyes, is moving our eyes towards what we're wanting our life to look like. It, it goes back to the conversation that we had at Access before quarantine of how stories will form us. And another way of saying stories will form us is the things that we allow to to come through our eyes over and over and over again start to paint the desires of our heart. When when I think about shifting our eyes and to shift our hearts and renewing our minds, and you know, I often get, you know, I have these thoughts, and, and I've been asked quite a bit over the years of, you know, should I listen to secular music? Should I watch certain movies? You know, how often should I be on social media? You know, mm-hmm. and people trying to prescribe the 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 do's and the don'ts to their lives when it comes to, you know, shifting their hearts and shifting their minds and having a renewed mind. And so, you know, I know I know for me when I when I think about shifting our eyes and we start talking about the the practicals of 
what are you consuming? What am I consuming, mm -hmm. right? What am I feeding when it comes to content, when it comes to movies and images and, and whatnot and, and what's appropriate and what's inappropriate? And we can get into all of these uh, really conversations on about and even arguments of mm -hmm. what's good and what's bad, what's acceptable and unacceptable. So what are your thoughts on when somebody comes to you and says, should I watch horror movies or whatever? Horror movies yeah. or, you know, like what, yeah, what what would you say to that person? Yeah. And and this is this is core for everything that we say, right? We we bring some some stark conversational points and, and it's never to bring shame on anyone. So it's not going if somebody watched a horror movie that they should feel ashamed of themselves. But it is this is how I instruct especially my students is we have to understand that everything we allow into our life or everything that happens in our life uh, has some sort of ability to form us. And we need to be intentional on understanding what's going on in those times. Because what we can tend to label off as, well, it's just entertainment. I'm just watching it for a good time. No matter whether we want to neglect the fact that it's doing something in us, it is doing something in us. It's painting core desires. It's starting to paint storylines that we uh, either buy into or we either condemn or all sorts of different aspects. So I'm, I'm never really one to go, hey, let's make a very black and white list of these are the things you for should sure. do and these are the, are the things you shouldn't um, because it's it's different for, for everyone. But the the conversation shouldn't so much be about should I or shouldn't I, but going, what is it doing inside of me? And then do I really want to allow that to happen? Yeah. I, I think when it comes to prescribing people, I, I don't think it's a matter of I prescribe to someone what they can and can't watch. Right. I, I think it's it, we, th we throw it back on the individual and say, what do you want for your life? Yeah. Like, what do you want for your life? And do you have a picture for where you want to be spiritually, right, relationally uh, in five years? And not that we, uh, we ask ourselves, is this going to get me where I want to go? Mm -hmm. You know, is this going to help me or hurt me? Is this, is this really something that's that important to my life? And once again, I think it's just a matter of to the individual is this healthy? <laughs> is this helpful? And I think once we start thinking that way, because I think a lot of people, honestly, they really don't even think about it ever. Mm -hmm. They don't, they, most people don't think, is this helping me or hurting me? They see it on Netflix or on Hulu or on whatever, you know, streaming service they're on. And then they're like, oh, it looks good, you know? And it, it just is what it is. There, there's no intentional or critical thinking about content and, I don't think we can downplay the importance and the effect that that has on our on our spiritual growth, mm -hmm. you know. And ultimately, I, I'm a big believer in if you consume healthy content and if you are pursuing a renewed mind, the natural response is to reject negative content. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Right. So if I'm eating healthy food, right? If I'm eating broccoli, salads, clean meats, right? I'm, I'm staying away from desserts and, and, and through my life I've done this. And then, and then all of a sudden like you haven't eaten dessert in like two months, right? And then all of a sudden you have a big piece of like, you know, chocolate cake with ice cream. And then you wake up the next morning and you're just like, oh, I feel like I just got hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm eating so much healthy when that, when that, when that unhealthy comes in, it just ruins me. And it's like, okay, I'm not doing that, you know? Mm -hmm. But when you're constantly eating junky food, it just doesn't affect you because your body's used to it and you just get big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it does bad things to your body. So that's just the analogy that I like to think through in my own, in my own life. So, yeah. yeah, there's the old adage, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you know, type thing. But then scripture is very clear too that says, you know, friendship with the world is enmity to, uh, to God. You know, it's it's you know setting yourself as friend to the world actually puts you as enemy to God. It 
builds barriers in between uh, the, the effectiveness of God being able to work in your life. And when we think about the aspect of shifting our hearts and shifting our eyes, if our eyes continue to stay fixated on the things that we were fixated on before Christ, then how do we expect that Christ-like nature would actually be produced in our life moving forward? And I think it brings us back to the immature understanding earlier that we were talking about, the, the milk level, the, the infant level of expecting God to do all the work inside of us and going, well, I don't want to have a part to play with this. So I'm just going to keep looking at the things that I was looking at and expect that God's going to miraculously change me. And it doesn't work that way. Paul here in Colossians is saying, put off the old nature, take on the new nature. There's an action step there for us to participate with. Yeah, I'm even thinking of Matthew 6. It talks about, you know, a single eye. Mm-hmm. It says the eye is the lamp of the body. Right. And if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And the eye is an example of attention. It's it's an example or it's, it's, a, it's imagery for our thought life, what we're focusing on. And it says, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Mm -hmm. But it says, if your eyes are double, or if you're Mm -hmm. double-sighted, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Right. James calls it double-mindedness, yeah. And I think what you said uh, a few minutes ago is really important about, you know, if we're still dabbling in the things that we dabbled in prior to Christ. And now I'm not saying we have to be perfect and we can't, we can't have some humanity left in us. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But if that, if our conscience and our desires haven't changed, I think it's, it's a healthy practice to reflect and, and, and go to God in prayer and say, my desires haven't changed. And I think that's a, it's a, not that we want to condemn anyone, but we want to, urge anyone listening to say, listen, the resurrection power of Christ should and will every time lead an individual to a life that is consistent with scripture and a life that is consistent with the fruits of the spirit and a life that's connected to God is not okay staying in a, in the same place. Mm Mm-hmm. That might be that might be harsh, but I think sometimes harshness is needed in order to help people think differently. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's important too to realize that it's not just you know we're not just talking about discipline because that's what we are talking about. Not just discipline for discipline's sake, but the the more mature a Christian grows in, the more maturity a Christian grows into, uh, the more peace the more joy, the more life, the more sustenance that they actually experience within the kingdom. And and this isn't just a, hey, you need to act up because you need to be a better person. That's not what this is about at all. But, but doing these things partners so well with the Holy Spirit to actually bring us to a place where we can experience peace that surpasses all understanding. We can experience newness of life. We can experience the full riches that God has for us. There's, there's great reward on the other end of this diligence that we put in. This isn't just something that we're trying to, to you know, <laughs> reprimand individuals and go, hey, you need to act up. That's not what any of this is about at all. And I think it's important for us to realize that we're really, again, we're just unpacking what you had started off with of talking about that newness of life. This is the purpose that Christ came for is that we would experience newness of life in the, the full newness does not happen without our partnering with that process. So this is just one of those areas that we get to partner with. Yeah. It's a co-laboring, mm-hmm. you know, with Christ, God, you know, he works with willing individuals, you know, mm-hmm. he's created us as free will with free will. And he is the power source. If you can say that behind our transformation but he needs a, a willing vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do you want to kind of shift to this idea of being empowered by the Holy Spirit yeah. in order to live that new life? Yeah. Our, our last point that we really want to get across, at least in this section, and again, this is not an exhaustive list, but 
It's just the, the fact that none of this can really be done effectively or at all uh, apart from the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that all of these are in partnering with God's grace in our life. And we ourselves cannot, we have no capacity in our life to be able to transform our life. <laughs> I, I was the one who, who got myself in the, the wreck in the first place. I don't have the ability to get me out of it. But at the same time, what we're doing and what we're talking about is all of this is a partnering with the Holy Spirit, partnering with the grace of God. This is not a striving type thing. This is an invitation to step into a deep partnership, co-laboring, like you had just said, with the Holy Spirit, with the grace of God, with God the Father, plugged into Him as source. Yeah, and I think when we when we think about the change and God, God empowering us to live the new life, I think... You know, you and I have, have known each other and had so many conversations about this, but there are, if I can say, a heart postures, another way to say it's mindsets, another way to put it would be environments that we put ourselves in that God helps us to become that new life, that new person, mm -hmm. that, that, that redeemed person. And so let's work through and try to work through this this cookie dough analogy that mm -hmm. we that we use in freedom to hopefully really end this well in a sense to have a, a healthy perspective of how to start living that new life in a way that empowers what we had talked about right mm -hmm. holy living mm -hmm. and then empowers uh really just transformation of of inward desires and inward um heart motives mm -hmm. so the cookie dough analogy in a in a nutshell is a cookie dough, if you were to look at just a, a pile of cookie dough, it has the ingredients in it to become a cookie, but it has no capability in and of itself in order to make itself a cookie. And the only way that a cookie can become a cookie is if the cookie dough enters into the atmosphere of the oven, which does the work that an oven does, which transforms the cookie into the cookie dough. Or sorry, the cookie dough into the cookie. <laughs> yeah. It's just so funny talking about this analogy. It's a, it's a great analogy. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty half-baked analogy, really, when we think about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag dad joke. Uh, half-baked. But the, the, the entire purpose or the entire way that the cookie dough gets into the transformation is getting into the atmosphere for the cookie dough to be transformed into a cookie. And, and what does that look like in our life, right? This is the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the reality of God, his presence, right? All those things are, are saying exactly the same thing. Everything that we're talking about is about bringing ourselves fully before the Lord, getting into his presence. And like the oven does its work on the cookie dough, God's presence does his work on us. So all these different things that we're talking about, apart from the Holy Spirit, we have no leverage of being able to transform. We have no leverage of being able to move into this place, this newness of life. But the more that we get into that, that atmosphere of the oven, the more the atmosphere has its work on us and that our work is met by its work and then transformation happens. It's the only place that I've ever, I've ever had change in my life. You know, I've gone to so many conferences, worship nights, and all those things have their place in the life of a Christian. But the only transformation I've ever seen that's significant happens when when I am individually going before the Lord with thanksgiving, with mm -hmm. praise, because you know the word says, enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise, or vice versa. I might have mixed that up. But entering with thanksgiving, entering with faith, because it says in Hebrews 11 that without faith it's impossible to please God, knowing that he wants to meet and change me, mm -hmm. and then knowing that he'll never leave me, you know, all these things. So it's, it's a matter of, I've never, and I don't want to make it about my experience, but I think biblically it plays out as well that the only place that we're changed is through the, the workings of the Holy Spirit. And I think be, putting ourselves in, the way I, I personally, I love the cookie analogy, the, word, the, the kind of the way I think about it in my own life is it's like a mindset or it's an inward posture mm -hmm. of putting myself 
in, an, in, a, in a place of faith, a physical faith where I'm going to a room to meet with God, or in it's an inward faith of knowing that God wants to change me. Hebrews 4, we approach him with boldness. Um, in, in those moments, putting ourselves in those moments of faith and trust, God takes our sincere desire, our broken, uh, insufficient sacrifice of our lives, and he changes us. Mm-hmm. As we place our attention on him, on his ability to raise Christ from the dead, yes. and then his ability to give the Holy Spirit to the apostles, and then to the 72, and then the 3,000, I, I put my trust and say, God, the same faith that Abraham had, that David had, the same faith that the apostles had, God, you've given us the ability to approach you with that same faith and the same work that you did in them, God, you can do that in me. And, you know, so you just, you're building our, our life on the foundation of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. and trusting that my experiences and my brokenness in life doesn't have to be the end of my story. Right. And just because I might have experienced hurt, pain, regret, disappointment, loss, any of the things I've experienced in my life, shame, for me, shame was a huge killer in my life early on. Mm-hmm. But that's not the end of my story. My story. There's no cap to what where God can bring me if, you know, His faithfulness will carry me. But it's my responsibility to place myself in environments where it's no one else is around and allow Him to change me when no one's looking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I know I just threw a lot out there, but it's all based <laughs> on this cookie analogy yeah. of putting yourself in. Okay, don't get baked, right? This is not yeah. a, a drug yeah. reference at all, but it's <laughs> but putting yourself in the oven. Getting in the oven. It's Get in huge. the oven. So, so to recap our, our conversation really quick is is we're talking about Easter's impact and what does this look like for a life moving moving forward with Easter having its effect on us. And you first brought up that it's a it's a new life and not just a destination. Christ yeah. came to restore in us the original design and purpose. He came to to bring to us His character, nature, and likeness for us to step into. And then we moved into one of the, the key initial ways that we do that is shifting our eyes. That way the desires of our heart would move in that direction in the first place. And then to, to wrap up, we said the Holy Spirit is really the only way that we can do any of this. It's all in partnership with him of getting in the oven and allowing him to do the work in us as we are doing our job and in stepping up and doing our part along the way as well. Well, we could have just said that and been done, but we had about an hour conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we hope that this quarantine uh, conversation was a blessing to anyone who was able to listen. And Nick, it's always a pleasure to have these conversations with you. They never get old, ever. <laughs> They're fun. They are fun. And we are having this conversation socially distanced. This is over uh, uh, an app that Nick found and so we are practicing social distancing. Yes. I can't see you. I can't hug you. <laughs> That's such a bummer. Yes. But soon. It is a bummer. Soon enough. Soon enough. Hopefully. Yeah. Lord willing. Well, thanks for joining in on the Access Podcast, Quarantine Conversation number two. And until next time, Nick, it was great talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you.